It proves our sins truly are forgiven, that the price paid on the cross, all of that pain and suffering he underwent should have been our cross, should have been our pain, should have been our suffering, has been poured out upon him. The wrath of God for judgment and punishment was poured out upon him instead of us. Isn't that good news? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. As we approach Easter Sunday, we thought that this would be a good time to reflect on the work Christ did for us on the cross. Romans 3.23 tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus, who is the Son of God, died for our sins. On today's broadcast, David gives us the story behind the Easter story. If you're going to stand truthfully and solidly for Jesus, you're going to have to be a disciple, a true follower of Jesus who knows Him, is growing in Him, and going for Him. That means that you've got to be solidly under the authority of the Scripture. It needs also that you've got to be doctrinally based, clinging to the doctrinal creeds of the church for the last 2,000 years. And they are there, folks, for a reason, because the church has been able to withstand all of its threats and barrage itself against the gates of hell because of people who truly are committed to Jesus, no matter what the culture may say, no matter what the whims and fancies of the world may teach. Here, we're going to make disciples who will give their lives away for the glory of Jesus. Now, why do I begin that way? Because a lot of people on Easter morning want to begin with the empty tomb, and it is a good place to begin. As my son David read the story from Matthew's Gospel, that the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive. Now, that's so important, but dear friends, the story of the cross and the resurrection did not begin on Easter morning. It began in time eternity when there's one God in three persons that we Christians believe in. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in what's called the Trinity, one God in three persons, a mystery yet consistently taught throughout the Scripture. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they introduced a problem called sin, and they downloaded it in all of their progeny, all the generations thereafter. Guess who that includes? All of us. And we're downloaded with this problem called sin. If you don't believe that, have a child. Do you have to teach your children to obey or disobey? What? To obey. Why? Because they're bent toward selfishness. They're bent toward disobedience. Secondly, I ask all of you to study, if you will, the Ten Commandments. Look at Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, those Ten Commandments. They are the moral law of God and God's expectations for how He wants us to live. And we could go through the list right now, and I will condemn you through my words of your need for a Savior. How many of you have loved a God other than God? How many of you have always honored the Sabbath? How many of you have always honored your mom and dad? How many of you have never slandered anyone? How many of you have never stolen anything? Um, And then we can go to number 10, and that just wipes out all the others and convicts us. Thou shalt not covet. Got it? I mean, who is not guilty of that? We've all coveted our neighbor's possessions or whatever they might have. We're, We're guilty. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of that, our eternal destination, because we're in Adam in his sin, is separation from the Father. Hell. And the Father so loved us that the Father looked at the second person of the Godhead and he said to his son, would you go? And the son, not thinking equality with the Father was something to be grasped, took on the form of a servant in human flesh 
the second person of the Godhead named Jesus, his name on earth, which means Savior, because, folks, our greatest need is to be saved from our sins. The greatest need you and I have is to be free from this burden of guilt, condemnation, and shame that we constantly feel, don't we? Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you within the last five minutes have heard this voice, you rotten dog? You say you love Jesus? How could you do that? How could you think that lurid, awful thought? How could you begin to call yourself a Jesus follower having done that? How many have heard that voice recently? Yeah. It's called the voice of condemnation, and it is not from the Father. It's from the evil one who wants to condemn you that you're worthless. But God sent his son into the world to forgive us of our sins and sometimes convict us of our sin when we need it, right? Just like every loving father and mom will convict their kids of sin, not to tell them they're awful, but to change their behavior. Now, God will do that occasionally with conviction of sin, but he never speaks condemnation. He never tells you that you're worthless because he loves you so deeply. That's why God sent his son. For God so loved the world, he sent his son, the second person of the Godhead who came and lived the righteous life none of us can live because he's the perfect God-man. Jesus lived under the obedience of the Ten Commandments every single day perfectly like you nor I have ever done because there has to be a perfect sinless sacrifice for our sins to be forgiven. Uh, called in the Old Testament the perfect unblemished Lamb of God. Jesus is that, the God in human flesh who paid the price for our sin. And when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. What's the it? What's the it? It's our salvation. It's our need to be forgiven. That's the greatest need we have. It is finished. Jesus had completed the perfect work of salvation for 33 years. He had lived perfectly in obedience to the moral law of God. It is finished. Salvation is completed. Folks, you have your sins forgiven by one of two ways. All of the world's religions except one say you've got to do. You've got to work hard to be righteous. It's called a works righteousness in the Bible. It, it's the Jewish faith, the Islamic faith, um, the Hindu faith. All, all of those are works righteous faith. You've got to work to do it. In the Hindu faith, it's called karma. Karma is getting what you deserve. Aren't you glad as a Christian you don't get what you deserve? That Jesus paid the price for our sins to be forgiven. And then when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, because he's been raised from the dead, that, that proves that he's God. You can't keep a perfect God down. If Jesus isn't God, he stays you know, on that stone slab in that tomb. But if he's God, he's got to be raised from the dead. He's got to come back to life. And him coming back to life not only proves his deity, which we'll look at next week, but it proves our sins truly are forgiven, that the price paid on the cross, all of that pain and suffering he underwent should have been our cross, should have been our pain, should have been our suffering, has been poured out upon him. The wrath of God for judgment and punishment was poured out upon him instead of us. Isn't that good news? And the resurrection proves that we are forever forgiven. We're forever forgiven. So the Easter story doesn't begin today. It really began in eternity when we fell in sin with Adam, and it really began with the cradle. If you separate Christmas from Easter, you've really wrongly separated it, and the cradle has to be connected to the cross and resurrection for the story to make sense. That's sound biblical doctrine, and you need to have that deep in your hearts today. You're forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. 
Your guilt is gone, forever gone, you're forgiven. Don't live in that condemnation anymore. If you hear that voice of condemnation, know from where it comes. It's not the Father who loves you so deeply. The proof is the cross. On those days you doubt the love of the Father, look at the cross. See the Son hanging there in his pain. That's proof how much he loves you. How much he loves you. And then when you receive him, he pours out that love inside of you. That that resurrection power of love now lives in you. You have union life with Jesus. That, that he lives in you and you live in him. It's a mystery. The closest earthly example we have is those of us who have great marriages. Uh, my life is in Maryland. Maryland's life is in me after 41 years almost. We, we start even to think like one another. I'm hoping I'll one day look like her, hopefully, you know. I mean, we, we have a union life. The, the, the two truly have become one flesh. And those of you who have similar kind of marriages, you know what I'm talking about. But it's even more so, the, the, the marriage of us with Jesus. He's in us, we're in him, and there's this inextricable connection that's so powerful. And here's the deal. Not only is our guilt forever forgiven, we don't have to fear death. Ever. Ever. That, that Jesus is called the first fruits of creation. What does that mean? Well, When the Jews celebrated this weekend, they would have the Passover, then Shabbat, which was Saturday, and then on Sunday, they would begin what was called the First Fruits Festival. They would bring their First Fruits gifts to the temple as a way of saying, God, you've been so good to us, here's the First Fruits back to you. Well, Jesus died on the cross on Friday. On the Shabbat, he was laid into the tomb on the Sabbath. On Sunday, though, he was raised from the dead as God's First Fruits gifts to you and me. He was the first one raised from the dead. And now all of us who have union life with him, we're raised with him accordingly. We're going to be where he is. John 14, 1, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Hey, for those of you who have your hearts troubled right now, Jesus said, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's a choice. You can choose worry, anxiety, or fear, or you can choose faith, trust, and belief. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because your life is in Christ and and his life is in you. And that's when Jesus said, for I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. Now now think about this. When I was a kid, I loved to play with electric trains. And my dad bought me an electric train set. I'd always have the engine and then I would carefully connect all the other cars to the engine. And here's the truth. Wherever that engine went, what had to happen to the cars? They followed because they were connected in union life with the engine. So wherever the engine went, the cars had to follow. Well, Jesus was the first fruits. Someone else was the second who was dead and then raised a new life by believing in Jesus. Then there was a third, a fourth, and who knows how many millions, but you and I are in that lineage, in that chain. We're train cars connected to the engine Jesus that wherever he goes, there we may also be. So if he's in heaven right now, mysteriously, spiritually, we are connected to Jesus. And that means when this earthly body dies, we've got to go where he is because we're connected in union life to him. Isn't that exciting? That's what the resurrection means. That where he is, there we may also be. So let's talk for a second about what death may really be like, biblically. Uh, First of all, the Bible says that death is like falling asleep. After a long day's work and you're really tired, isn't it fun just to fall asleep? 
your head hits that pillow and you go into that deep REM sleep, you know, and, and you feel refreshed and renewed. Well, death is like that, folks. I, you know, I, I just couldn't be around when I watched my dad die. Marilyn was there. I just loved him so much. I, I couldn't be there. She was there. And at some point, right before he died, he sat up and looked around and saw Marilyn and he smiled. And then he laid back and closed his eyes and he stopped breathing. I think he went into eternal REM sleep. He went into rest. And I think when we all die, that's what it's going to be like. We close our eyes and we go into rest, eternal rest. Rest from what? Well, first of all, rest from this cursed earth in which we live. Genesis 3, the fall when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, it's caused everything to go haywire, hasn't it? And when we enter into that REM eternal rest, we don't ever have to worry again about diabetes or about MS or about cancer or about coughs or colds or influenza. Do you know that there aren't going to be any doctors in heaven? No nurses at all. You know, frankly, there aren't going to be any ministers there. They're not going to need me because everybody there is going to be saved. Isn't that good news? <laughs> and when you go into that sleep, that, that, that death, you know you never have to face those diseases, trials, turmoils, tribulations again. Isn't that good news? But also you have rest from works defining who you are. You know, the lie of our culture is that we are what we do. That's why when you lose your job, you ask the question, am I worthless? And the answer from the Father is what? Of course not, because you're not defined by what you do. You know, for athletes, I've had to tell them through the years, if you stop playing because of an injury or your career's just over, you're not an athlete. You're a follower of Jesus. So you've got to understand that you get rest from your identity being in the things of this world. Rest from the identity being in what other people think of you. Have ever, any of you ever fallen prey to that one? That I define myself with what other people think of me, and when other people don't like me, I don't think I'm worth anything. And the Father whispers to our souls, no, you're, you're loved because of what I did through my son Jesus. You're worthy not by your works. You're worthy because I simply declare you worthy. You've received the gift of eternal life through my son. Isn't that good news? And if you believe that, you should enter into that eternal rest. My, my dad, when he did pass away, we had his funeral at a local church here that he founded called Westminster Presbyterian Church. And I'll never forget, he asked me to have this hymn played. It's called For All the Saints. And the first line goes like this, for all the saints who from their labors rest, who thee by faith before the world confess thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that word hallelujah just means praise God. Because when we die, we've entered into that perfect rest of Jesus, not finding our identity in what we do, but in him and him alone, being forgiven of our sins, and now resting in him. But then at some point after you fall asleep, well, let me use this as an illustration. Those of you who've had little ones, isn't there a beautiful picture in our minds of those times when our little babies were sleeping? I mean, they could care less what was going on in the world. They just sleep. But at some point when you know you have to awaken them, you shake their shoulders and you speak their name and, and say, time to get up.
At some point, the Father will start shaking our shoulders after we've fallen into that REM eternal rest and we'll say, time to wake up. And folks, we'll open our eyes and the first face we'll see is the face of Jesus. In the face of Jesus. Isn't that fun to think about? Now, some years ago, we had a, a lady in the church who was completely blind and, I was, and she'd been blind from birth and I was talking with her about the problems and vicissitudes she had to go through in life. I apologize. She had to suffer so much from being blind from birth. Her answer to me was fascinating. She said, don't feel sorry for me. I feel sorry for you. I said, why do you feel sorry for me? I've had sight since day one. She said, well, how many faces have you seen throughout your life? I said, thousands, tens of thousands, maybe including social media, television, etc., millions. She said, I feel so sorry for you. You've seen all those faces throughout your life. But when I open my eyes finally for the first time, the first face that I'm going to see is the face of Jesus. Mm. So we should envy her as she wakes up from her eternal REM. And one more thought about what does the resurrection mean for all of us today? It's not just that we fall asleep and are awakened in the presence of Jesus. You know, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't that good news? He, he, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, that to be absent from the body is to be with Jesus. Isn't that going to be great? But we live in that in-between time, don't we? It hadn't happened yet. At least I hope not today for any of you who are here. But it's going to happen. So what do we do in between time? Dear friends, we live in the resurrection love of Jesus in our hearts. No matter what we face, we face with the resurrection love of Jesus in our hearts. You can face anything with the resurrection love of Jesus in your heart. Life's worth living. And even those fears that we all face, we can face them because He lives. Listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a discussion about fairness. We'll be right back. What does the Bible tell us about the end times? The Bible is a book about soteriology, your salvation, redemption, and eternal life. David Chadwick has made an informative video called The End Time Prophecies. From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, God's Word is revealing facts about the times we live in, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would love to give this video to you as a resource to equip you to help you understand the history and prophecies of the second coming found in the Old Testament. In this video, David covers the validity of Scripture, Jesus' first coming, and how we can have faith in His second coming. This video is a compelling account of the foundation of the Christian faith. To receive your free copy of this video, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener for your free copy of this informative, educational video from David Chadwick. End Time Prophecies from David Chadwick. Get yours for free today.
I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Jen. I hope you're doing well. I am. Thank you so much. Well, in one of your morning e-devotions, you recently wrote that fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. What do you mean by this? (laughs) Well, it's to try to address the number of people complaining about life not being fair. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about that. If there's one thing we've all learned in life at one time or another, it's this, life is not fair. It is an undeniable truth and reality of life. Before the fall in Genesis 3, God intended life to be fair through the protection he provided in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve lived in paradise, which is another term for Eden. Mm -hmm. Uh, God oversaw their every single need. Life operated the way God wanted it to operate. Eden was no place where there was any brokenness, and again, fairness was there. Mm -hmm. But in Genesis 3, when the fall occurred and everything became corrupted by that fall, we see that fairness ended. It no longer happened. So that's why I say to people, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. Mm. Sin caused it to happen. Rebellion corrupted everything. So, Jen, you'll like this one because you have young ones, (laughs) Mm -hmm. children especially, but even adults often cry out what? That's not fair. (laughs) Over and over again. That's not fair, Mom. That's not fair, Dad. But you know what? Adults do it too. We we just have deeper voices. You know, that's not fair, Lord. I don't like that at all. Mm -hmm. And God has to address that problem with us because the reality is life often isn't fair. We live in a broken, unfair world. Yet followers of Jesus must continue to walk in victory. We are sinners living in a broken world, but we also know that God is for us. He is with us. He is in us, and he's working all things together for our good and his glory, Romans Mm -hmm. 8, 28. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, Romans 8, 37. Remember every day, that this world is riddled with unfairness. Mm -hmm. Fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. But remember as well that one day, one glorious day, this world will be redeemed, Mm -hmm. restored, made whole again when Jesus returns. Mm. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Oh, mm. come yeah. soon. <laughs> come soon. Come soon. This this reminds me, I have a, a mom friend who implemented this rule that if one of her children received a cookie or, or token that was smaller than the other child, and they said, that's not fair. He got a bigger one. She would instantly take that smaller one away and give it to the child oh my. that had the bigger one. And she nipped that in the bud. Huh. And they are grateful for the given. Yeah. Isn't that the key that we're grateful for what we do have Mm -hmm. and not constantly looking at what we don't have? That's right. I think God wants us to learn that lesson that we've talked about before with another Davidism. God wants us to be thankful. Yeah. He calls us to be thankful. Mm -hmm. And if we constantly complain, we're saying to the Lord, I don't like the way you're running your universe. Right. And that Philippians 2, 14 verse, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Mm -hmm. Last time I checked, Jen, the dictionary's definition of everything is? Was it everything? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) We're not to complain about anything because, you know what? Fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. We just thank God for what we do have. And that way we can have a joyful spirit and be all that God wants us to be. I love it. Thank you so much for these thoughts today. You're welcome. And if any of you would like to receive these written Davidism, 
Moments-isms, these written Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They'll arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. They're free of charge. It's a way that I can gift you from my heart to yours a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to check out David's weekly Hopecast. It's free and available through our website. Also, be sure to check out David's End Times Prophecy video. It's free for our listeners. Just go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to celebrate the risen Christ 